The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. This is the premier podcast for late model dirt track racing. This is Forward Bike. From the Speed Sport Podcast Studios, powered by My Race Pass, here's your host, Kyle Armstrong. Welcome back to another edition of the Forward Bike Podcast from the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass. I'm your host, Kyle Armstrong, and today joined in studio with my special co host today, Blake Harris. Uh, we, uh, we've been on here before. You've listened to Blake Harris a time or two on this podcast, especially one of our most popular episodes of all time, the one we had with uh, Ronnie Swole in here telling stories. And that was a, that was a lot of fun that day. But, uh, yeah, welcome back to uh, the Forward Bike Podcast again, Blake. Thank you, Kyle. It's a privilege to be here and uh, finally get invited back. Uh, I know it was a time of dire need, but I am happy to fill in any time. Yeah. Yeah, in dire need, you, you're right. Uh, Adam Logan was <laughs> is once again down in Florida. He's been down there for about three weeks down there racing, and uh, he's probably about right now they're probably starting hot laps down at Volusia tonight. So he's he's busy taking care of his customers and doing his thing down there. And I actually, uh, myself, got to go to East Bay this past week for a couple of nights, Thursday and Friday night, and, uh, and I talked to him down there. So he couldn't – I didn't tell him I was going either. I just showed <laughs> up, and he was – he was surprised to see me there and all that. So uh, we had a excellent trip this weekend. There's more to more to talk about about all that than uh, than uh, we uh, really got time for for sure. About but to say the only thing I think we should talk about. Yeah, well, everybody's seen the racing at East Bay, but you got to rub shoulders with Elvis and Donnie Baker. Yeah, man, Elvis <laughs> Presley was down there. They uh, they dug him up out of the grave there up at Graceland <laughs> and uh, hauled him down to uh, Tampa, Florida. And he was there at East Bay Raceway Park drinking beer and shots of liquor with the fans there on the back stretch on that it hill. It looked like a hoot of a time. Yeah, man. I Yeah, it was a great time. And he was up there singing a few songs. And uh, by the third heat race, they were carrying him out of there because he was – Oh, my. He was pretty intoxicated. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, Donnie Baker, another – I mean, that's big time for him to show up at exactly. a, one of our races. And he was YouTube there. YouTube sensation. He was there making some videos, and I never saw him, but I wanted to. I just never never ran into him down there in the pit area, but he was there doing some stuff, and uh, should be some good content to come out of that, I would say. Yeah, definitely. He had some Facebook lives there, but I know Brandon Shepard now has his number one fan. I a feeling he was happy to see Donnie Baker walking the grounds there, but that was your first time there and with the future of that place possibly last time what's the initial thoughts man i liked it a lot the place is uh is is it, it's kind of falling apart in a way it's a little outdated in some areas but the racetrack itself is pretty pretty awesome it's a uh, it puts on a good show and every and i was i thought that the racing was good because that was really my first time going there so i didn't really and i've obviously kept up with it watched it on tv all 30 years but maybe i didn't have something to base it off of and actually be in there but I thought the racing was good. I mean, Hudson O'Neill won both nights that we were there, and it's good to see uh, that that team finally getting going with the rocket car and all that. But I thought it was good. I mean, I would rate it about an 8 out of 10 for sure. 8 out of 10. Did you try any strawberry shortcake? I did there? have some strawberry How was shortcake. That? Man, it was good. Uh, I was up there in the grandstands, and my buddy <laughs> Wesley Chester was up there, him and his wife, and sitting with them. And got to give them a shout-out, too, because they – saw me walking down front there and the place was absolutely packed there was really nowhere to sit unless you wanted to be on the bottom two rows and they were up there at the top they had an extra seat and uh waved me up there so i sat with them on the top row uh, his wife was eating some strawberry shortcake and i said man I, I, where do you get that at i gotta have some of that it's not east you're not at east bay until you try the strawberry shortcake so he was going down to the concession stand i said bring me one of them back and and he did, and I sat there and ate it, and uh, you know had to get the picture of it and whatnot. But it was that was pretty cool. Not any other racetracks you can go to and order a strawberry shortcake. They obviously grow a lot of strawberries down in that part of Florida. Oh yeah, no <laughs> strawberry dash this year. It kind of threw me off. Yeah, there was no strawberry dash. We uh, we had a little race pool going on there. Me and Clayton Scruggs, and I told him that we should have put in there for uh, some bonus points for whoever could win the strawberry dash 
but I did not realize that there was not going to be a strawberry dash. I did not fare too good in that race pool. That was a quick, easy loss of a $20 bill. Yeah, $20 bill <laughs> loss. We're going to do another one for Volusia. So any listeners that are listening to this, I'm going to post that on the Forward Bike uh, fa- uh, podcast Facebook page. So be looking for that. It's, uh, it's you know, 20 bucks to get in on, and you get a points update in your email every day. And, yeah, I finished dead last in this past one. So they – I was about fifth to last, so they. Uh, you ain't got much competition, folks. Is what we're saying. Yeah, so you got a shot to win some money. We actually, <laughs> we actually paid six hundred dollars to the winner in this one here. Oh we my. just did, uh, and C.J. Johnson uh, from up in West Virginia took the money home on that deal. So maybe that'll go toward buying a couple of tires for his uh, for his race team. You know, he's there got Jacob go. Hawkins driving his car this year, and uh, he's the number thirty seven car up there. So. Uh, you know, maybe you can play and buy you some tires if you win that thing. So a lot of fun there. Yeah, East Bay was cool. I enjoyed my trip down there. And Saturday night went to Supercross in Tampa. Uh, it rained the race out at East Bay. And my plan all along, our plan all along going down there was to go to Supercross mm-hmm. because that's, uh, it's not often you get to be in the same city where, or for us anyway, to be in the same city where Supercross has to, happens to be going on and, I'm I'm here to tell you that's an awesome show. If you've never been to see it, that was about my fourth or fifth one that I've been to, and it's been probably five years since I've been to one. So watch it on TV all the time and keep up with it. But it was it's there's nothing like being there in person, and it was uh, it was a good show for sure. Definitely a great 250 finish. Come down to the wire there in 250s, 450s. Cooper Webb finally broke that streak. He ain't wanna. A main since 2021 when all last year's defending champion not winning finally got that win on the factory ktm and i'll tell you what tampa past two of the last three years you've had winter nationals and super bowl and winter nationals and supercross on the same weekend thriving town it might i don't know how it'll fare with tom brady leaving but tampa is the place to be but how about east bay their final race of course they're gonna run winter nationals next year but they're gonna send the place out with a fifty thousand dollar to win Lucas Oil Eight Model Dirt Series race, no, no better way for a track as great as East Bay. I'm glad to say I've been there as well at least one time. No better way, no better fitting way for a track to go out other than a Crown Jewel event. Yeah, man. When they announced that there at the track, and it was on the it was on the broadcast too, obviously. But uh, when they announced that there at the track, it was like the whole place kind of cheered, and it was pretty exciting to hear that announcement firsthand. And um, I, I think everybody around there was checking their calendars and making their kind of already talking about flying in and taking making their arrangements to be there. <laughs> yeah. And I'm thinking, my goodness, it's that they're talking about 2024, October of 2024. I told you I was going to go ahead and put the day off. You texted me about it right <laughs> then, and two or three other people texted me and said they were going, you know, talking about going. And I'm thinking, I don't know what we're doing tomorrow. And y'all are talking <laughs> about something that's like 20 months away or you something. You can never plan too much, you can always plan not enough. You can never plan too much. But yeah, that will be cool. And uh, if I if I get around to it, I would like to uh, obviously be in attendance that weekend because that'll be a big deal uh, to send that place off. But I I definitely took it all in and uh, saw saw what I wanted to see with the place. And hopefully uh, hopefully we'll get to go back for sure. And uh, you know, all, then all the guys are over moved over to East Bay now. And I mean, uh, excuse me, moved from East Bay over to Volusia this week. World of Outlaws is kicking back off. They've already mm-hmm. got started. A few nights of dirt car sanctioned races will lead into the big World of Outlaws weekend there and kind of cap off speed weeks as far as Florida goes. It's been Rockets. It was Longhorns at Volusia, Golden Isle, and everywhere else. Rockets took back over at East Bay. We'll see how the Rockets fare this week against the Longhorns. But don't forget, don't forget about that Warrior car. That thing put on a good show. Shout out to our buddy Mike Knuckles who listens to this show. Great showing by John Henderson and Brandon Overton in that 2X car. Yeah, when Brand- and I know, and obviously that's a really good car, and there's nothing wrong with John Henderson, but you put somebody like Brandon Overton in in that car those couple of nights there to start off the week there at East Bay, and and it, and he, I mean, could have won. And, and could you imagine if uh, if he would have won? And I know it turned a lot of heads for him to run top five and all that that he like he did, but if he would have won that deal, um, I mean, I think. Mike Knuckles' phone would have uh, would have been ringing a lot that last week. For he would sure, have to buy some extra minutes. I mean that. I mean, I, I'm a firm believer in Warrior Race cars, and they've uh, they've they've proven many a times, made some fields in the Crown Jewels and everything. But 
just haven't really strung anything together and that's just yeah. a, that's just a fact as far as to you know win some of those big races but man don't count them guys out at all and they can run with the big dogs they've got all the same technology and they know what's going on and uh and and for sure like you said shout out to mike knuckles for uh for putting together a car and 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 also i hate that i never we never crossed paths with mike he uh, was at east bay those couple of nights and went to supercross as well saturday but i just never Never ran into him there this this weekend, but I'm sure we'll see each other soon. Yeah, it's always always hate seeing speed weeks go. This is the best time of the year, racing every night, anywhere you look. And this is the last week of it, but you got the 500 coming up this weekend, which culminates it all, I guess. Yeah, um, I hated to have to come home. To be honest with you, yesterday I was. Uh, At least you got to go. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm thankful that Unlike I had me. had the chance to make the trip, and I did get to go to uh, Golden Isles there a couple of weeks ago just for a one day day trip for that Saturday race, and saw the really the finish of the year candidate, you know, and Brandon Overton passed Ricky Thornton Jr. there on the last lap. But anyway, I yeah, I hated having to go north on 95 yesterday and see all those race haulers and all those people going <laughs> 95 south headed yeah. to Florida. And I'm having to leave Florida and come back and go to work and, uh, t- uh, you know, take care of all our customers at, uh, at SRI. But, I mean, that's part of the deal. And I can only hold the sl- keep up the slack too for so long, Kyle. You had to come back eventually. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's the thing, too. Nobody really picks up the slack <laughs> on driving that uh, truck I have to do. So I had to come home and, or, you know, come back to work and take care of all those customers. And then, uh, of course come in here and cut a podcast tonight yeah, just so. like ronnie Millsap, just prisoner of the highway you can't get away from it i'm telling you man that, I, saint and we stayed in saint petersburg uh, me and my buddy kenny he uh he picked all that out the booking and all that <laughs> and and i gotta give him props he the hotel could have been a little better than it was but oh uh, my it was nice but uh we never got three we stayed there three nights and we'd come back each day and it was like we left it. No room service, no new towels. No nothing. fresh towels, no new hand soap. There was oh no uh there was no, no new bed sheets. There was no refrigerator in the room. There was no microwave. You know, you oh man. To, Couldn't even eat up some beanie weenies or some noodles there if you wanted to. Uh a water was five dollars, a coke was five dollars in the lobby. They had to pay to had to pay them to valet park his truck every day. Well you didn't, and he did. He paid that, but uh, <laughs> I paid my part, but yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I don't know. The hotel situation could have been a little better. But St. Petersburg, man, I got to give that little town a shout out because they got a, <laughs> they got a. Got how, a mu- how much do you remember about St. Petersburg? Let's oh, ask that question. No, I mean, I remember it all. We went our, went around the block down there and, and drank a few beers and stuff. And they had, they had live music at some of those places and some really good live music, to be honest with you. And we enjoyed that. Uh, for two uh, two or three nights of that and uh, yeah went to the casino one night down there at the hard rock of tampa and oh hit, hit that pretty good we there won't get go. in we won't get into all that if the tax man might be listening but yeah we uh i'm listening i hope i get a little bit of pay for doing this with you yeah we got we hit that deal <laughs> pretty good down there at the, at the hard rock at tampa and once i once i uh, did that it was time to time to walk away and uh, count the money a little bit but yeah, all in all, a good weekend the fl- uh, trip to Florida there, and I really, really wish I was still down there uh, to see some racing there at Volusia this week, but it's just not in the cards this week. What you got, Blake? I don't know. Where we go from here? <laughs> I was about to say, I went to an asphalt race this weekend. I don't know if that applies to this podcast or not. There's other uh, dirt racing stuff happening coming up, of course. Shout out to our great partners here at Speed Sport Hunt. The Front's new dirt racing series, the Joyner Brothers, Joseph, Jonathan, uh, launching their new Hunt the Front dirt racing series. It's going to be live on Speed Sport TV. Yeah, that's big-time news, and I'm glad you brought that up because that's going to be good for uh, for Speed Sport, which lets us do this podcast, and it will be uh, that's where those races will be streamed. And uh, Blake will tell you about where the first one's coming up at. Looks like all tech at the beginning of April. There are some great tracks on this, Kyle. Alltech, Magnolia, Sonoya, Cochran, Why Not, Boyd's, I-75, Duck River, Deep South Speedway, and at Talladega. It's almost like they like the gumbo going to Alltech, Magnolia, Why Not, and Sonoya. 
Yeah, and with, you got to be a driver to run that tour. It looks like. And with Speed Sport having announced their Speed Sport One TV channel, that's going to come out over the air uh, soon and about sometime this spring. I'm not sure the date on it yet, but I, I would not be surprised one bit for some of those races to be live right there on that TV channel too. Exactly, so. almost like the old. Remember when the old uh, used to be Knoxville Nationals and the World Finals used to come on live on the Speed Channel? Almost be like we're going back in time, almost. Yeah, so a lot of live racing coming up on that deal, and I'm I'm excited to see where what that brings to the to the table for the sport, and it's it's pretty cool that Hunt the Front partnered up with these guys to put all that together, and uh, look for them on Speed Sport TV this year. Go ahead and get your streaming package, and go ahead and be looking for it come go, April. Go ahead and subscribe today. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, we got a uh, a pretty cool guest coming up tonight. Blake uh, lined this up today for us, and and uh, it's been a long time coming. I actually had thought about having him on for a long time, and it's uh, it's Mike Galt, uh, Gaffney, South Carolina, and he, of course, uh, raced for a long time. He was the 2000 Have a Tampa Rookie of the Year, and that that was his big claim to fame there for a was long it really? time. I ain't even. I wrote all these no- notes. I wrote all these notes now, and you're bringing out a zinger right here in front of me. He had it. Uh, he had it embroidered on his fire suit for the longest time. That's why <laughs> I remember it. He Come back in 2017. Oh, look here! I'm still 2000. Have a Tampa Rookie of the Year. How the year, about that? You, the year you were born. The year I was born, Mike Galt was winning Rookie of the Year. So we just bring that up, make him feel a little older. You were still in diapers, Blake. So. <laughs> it, but speed weeks i wasn't even in diapers wasn't even born by the time they started speed weeks <laughs> born in april of 2000 so yeah yeah but we're excited to talk to mike galt i'm sure he's got a lot of stories to share with us and uh, we'll do that here next on the forward bike podcast uh, so stay tuned well listeners in case you didn't get enough sports today here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports youtube is the new home of nfl sunday ticket and if you sign up now, you'll get our lowest full season price of the year. Just go to youtube.com slash Spotify offer to get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket. Watch your favorite teams out of market Sunday afternoon games exclusively on YouTube and YouTube TV. All right, enough about sports. Go get more sports. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends June 6th. No refunds. the same old place rednecks and clay where do we take it from here we got fancy total homes and new shiny cars ain't been a half mile in years they want to change well my mama warned me when I went down to Gaffney oh she finally got it made he said, oh, Rock made it here, and we're all sure that you will, but I don't think Rock done it this way. Lord, I don't think Rock run it this way. Welcome back to the Forward Bike Podcast here, where you've got the special guest here on the Andy's Towing Hotline tonight, none other than Gaffney, South Carolina. It's Mike Galt, the son of uh, the man that built Cherokee Speedway, the place your mama warned you about, Mr. Rock Galt, and... Uh, you just heard the song there about Rock Galt leading into this interview. We, uh, <laughs> we're we're glad to bring that back a little bit. So, uh, so Mike, how's it going tonight, man? Uh just wide open. So wide open. What elaborate on that? I know you've got your uh, your used car business and you've got your salvage yard and everything else going on. And uh, tell us a little bit about all that here. Uh, we just uh, we got the big salvage yard beside the speedway where we sell new and used <clears throat> late model and uh cars and trucks and 18 wheeler parts uh we carry a little bit of everything you cutting laps around the old duval test track out there moseying around them cars it, it, you have to weave in and out of them now there's so many cars <laughs> that like you uh you know i was gonna bring this up at some point but we're already t- we're already talking about it so a couple of years ago me and uh we were down there camping at one of those races at Gaffney and uh Buddy Smith was there and uh Buddy had his golf cart 
Well, me and he said, come on, take, go for a ride here. And I got on there with Buddy, and we went all back through there. I guess we were trespassing, so I'll let you know that we were. <laughs> and uh, we went all back through there looking at that old racetrack that's back there behind Cherokee Speedway. And a lot of people may not know it's there unless they looked at it on Google Earth. But uh, we went all back through there and had a, had a good time seeing that again. And I actually sat on my dad's lap and steered the old van around there. Your dad... Let us take it back there a long time ago when they first cut that place out, and I was just a kid. But uh, yeah, that I guess that track was built for uh, kind of for the Mike Duval driving experience there at the time, wasn't it? Well, uh, Dad built it. He was going to maybe run it one night a week, and you know Cherokee on Saturday nights. But uh, yeah, wind up turning into a driving school more than anything. Yeah. Yep. So now it's uh, now it's now it houses the uh, the junkyard right back there, and and you know, like I yeah. said, we went back in there and looked at it. But I, anybody listening to this, don't try that. At home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the statute of limitations yeah. already went up on that. Buddy Smith yeah. might be the only person that could get away with that, though. You, I know, Mike. You probably had some. Do you ever have any road ends with Buddy? Only time when he run over you. <laughs> That was a lot of the time, wasn't it? Was about, if you hey, if you let him, it was. Yeah. Sounds like you no, let I him. Never, I never had too much trouble out of him. Yeah, I, I liked old buddy, and we we for sure miss him a lot for sure. So, uh, yep. Yeah, so uh, so anyway, let's him uh, and that go, him and that Billy Goat. Yeah. <laughs> the Billy Goat. Expand on what you yep. mean there for the listeners. Uh, he had a goat they took around the racetrack. You know, that's back when my uncle JL Fools sponsored him, and they had a cape on him, and he always towed that old Billy goat around. He's like his mascot. <laughs> that's, that was his mascot. <laughs> well, Mike, you uh, you you've been around this racing all your life. Here, we were. Uh, me and Blake were talking here. You you were racing when Blake was still in diapers here, and and actually. When Before I was that. too, actually, you know, so, um, the, uh, what are y'all trying to say I'm old? <laughs> well, in a roundabout way, I guess so. <laughs> no, you're a hall of famer for a reason. Okay. You're yeah. not old. You're just a hall of famer. <laughs> so, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> but no, I mean, so, so you grew up around your dad, Rock Galt, and he, he built that racetrack there at Cherokee Speedway. And uh, I guess, uh, I guess we could start with just what's some of your earliest memories as a, as a kid growing up. I mean, you've. You probably ain't missed many races there at that place all throughout the years. So give us some of your earliest I, memories of growing up around there with him. I didn't miss many. I was like y'all. I run around there in diapers, and I was all over the place and uh, driving water trucks, tractors, just whatever he let me get in there with him. But uh, and uh, over the years, I worked in the concession stands and helped him cook and. Waited on people. Just we we done a lot of a lot of different things. You had every you held every job that was available there, didn't you? I, I've done every job available. Sold tickets, just whatever <laughs> needed to be done. So you sold tickets. Of course, when kids hop in a race car nowadays, it's a little different time. They're getting in it by the time they're about five or six. When did the yeah. thought of you actually hopping in a race car cross you or your dad's mind? Well, it crossed mine probably from 12 on up and dad never would let me get one and then i talked my uncle in to get me one so <laughs> we broke out in the thunder bombers there back when they was running them 500 lap races and stuff mm -hmm. and we done pretty good and that big one they had over at gaffney at that time uh i was driving uh, a ford with clarence earl helping me you remember clarence no i don't and uh but uh, we've had some good times in the TNL days, especially. Was that Earl's Speed Shop? Is that who you? No. Okay. No, that was Clarence. Uh, his son drove for him some after I did, but uh, yeah, I've raced for him. I've raced, drove for Terry Harris. I've I've drove for oh, several Terry. of them. Yeah. So you run him and Terry. So you run the bombers these long races and stuff. What make? How did that go early on and basically lead me up to the time you start running the TNL divisions? Because everybody said, you may agree with Super Late Malls, but a lot of people say TNL was what sold the most tickets to Gaffney back in the 90s. Uh, there's no doubt. 
If everybody wanted to see a race, they come to watch the TNL race. So how did you get involved with running against Billy Bishop, Wally Fowler, Strawberry, and Jamie, and all them? Well, I just wind up building me a Camaro one day and got uh, Diddy finally talked into buying me a motor, and Wayne Paris built me a motor, and that's how it started. So what what made, of course, for my time, I've watched all these old videos. Of course, the personalities were one thing about that division, but what you had eight, ten different winners in a season and Thunder and Lightning. What made that division so good and competitive back in the day? Because even a quote from Freddie Crawford, he remembered he used to run the Super Weight Mall. He said he even went up a division. He didn't downgrade. He upgraded a division when he left Weight Malls, went to TNL. Would you agree with that? And what made that – what made that division so good there back at Cherokee and every other track around the Carolinas? Well, you know, it ain't like the cars nowadays. You got to be a, a scientist to set one up and use the shocks and all the stuff they have to go through now. Back in them days, you took what you could get out of the junkyard and, and beat your springs out and make the best you could out of it, and then it showed you who the driver was. Yeah, we had Ronnie Sewell on here one time, and he, he talked about digging parts out of the junkyard and taking it over there and racing and winning races at that time. And uh, yeah, everybody buys these parts at the store now. And uh, actually, me and Blake sell a lot of those kind of parts that the people buy at the speed shop. And uh, and it's, uh, it's 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 sort of changed a whole lot since that time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we used to arch our own springs and, you know, get our ride heights where we want them and, and kind of do our own thing. You know, everybody nowadays uses a, a stiffer left front spring than they do a right front, so to get over on that right front. Mm-hmm. And if truth be known, I was probably the first one to come out with that. We was, we was at the shop trying to scramble one night to get ready, and we stuck the wrong spring and the wrong. <laughs> we stuck the right front and the left front and the left front and the right front, and we went out and skinned them that night, and we couldn't figure out what we'd done different. And then we. <laughs> So, so we uh, we done that several weeks in a row before everybody found out what we was doing. So that's so that's just part of the trial and error of it. Uh, that's right. But well, that, that was, was more, a mistake. It yeah, worked that, out. Was, that was <laughs> that was error that turned into positive. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But, so, uh, so what was that first success? Uh, everyone remembers their first real win. Do you can you describe that feeling of that first win in TNL? Can you picture back and bring us back to that night? Oh, yeah. I, my first race I won was at Riverside before they shut it down. Oh, what a great back. racetrack. But, uh, you know, I like Riverside all right, but it's, it was kind of like if you got on the bottom, it's hard to get past. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I hate them one-lane race racetracks. I like one where you can race on. Mm-hmm. And, and back when my dad fixed the track, you could run all over it, not burn no tires up, and it still be so tacky out of the race. You walk across <laughs> it, and it won't pull your shoes off. Hmm. But, uh, you know, that was that was just what I called the good old days. And, you know, I mean, it wasn't nothing for us to – we have been to Mercolina on a, a Friday night, win the race, jump in the hauler and take off to Thunder Valley and start in the rear and win the race up there that night too. Hmm. That had to be a lot of fun to go from track to track and do that. It was. I mean, man, we, we had a ball. I had about five or six of my buddies always went with me, and it was just like a, you know, uh, we was racing instead out in trouble somewhere. Exactly. About to say, according to the list, you were fourth all-time with 24 TNL wins at Gaffney, but right when I called you before we started, you might got to argue with that. Yeah, 24 is not the number. I can promise you that. <laughs> you got the trophies to prove it, don't you? You still, How much of them? How yeah. much of your old memorabilia do you still got? Did you keep all of it? I still got all my trophies and racing uniforms and hmm. some helmets. And I still got a lot of that stuff. So, so you're talking about your first win there, Mike, and it brought back a uh, memory to me. I remember uh, the, the tradition there at Cherokee Speedway when a driver would win their first race there, they would get drugged through the mud a little bit. Do you 
Uh, yep. did, did that ever happen to you? And uh, maybe <laughs> do you recall uh, maybe why that is oh. the tradition? Oh, yeah. Well, they they tried to, but uh, <laughs> I had a little more on the hand they could handle, but they still tried it. That's bad luck if you don't get rolled. The first time I got rolled, yeah. first time I got rolled in the mud, I won at Harris. Daddy, Daddy, of course, you know, Daddy's shorter than me. He hired some help. I think it was Chester yeah. Brooks and Max Shaw down there, and they start rolling me in the mud, and I'm thinking it's going to be good, but somebody put their head, hand on the back of my head, and I was drowning in the mud puddle. I couldn't even enjoy it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> then you got to go to the dry cleaners and get your suit cleaned up and all oh, that. And yeah. Spend, yeah. All, oh, spend yeah. your $50 That'll, that you won that, that night. That lady didn't like me that week over yeah. at Chessie Dry Cleaners. Yeah. <laughs> so. I'd imagine. But, uh, yeah, there's a famous picture in the night, in the June 1998 issue of National Geographic magazine with Rambo getting uh, drugged through the mud whenever he won his first race there at Cherokee Speedway. I'm sure you've got a copy <laughs> of that. And that was pretty cool. That uh, the National Geographic chose to do an uh, do an article on Cherokee Speedway and yeah. an actual TV show there too. That had to be pretty cool there at that time. I know we might be jumping ahead, but talk talk about that. Yeah, uh, it was pretty neat, and they they've actually done uh, they've done some filming of a movie there one time and jumped a car off the backstretch over. Uh, <laughs> so I mean it's. It's had its ups and downs, but like I said, it, on Saturday nights, if you want to go somewhere and have fun, everybody was at Cherokee Speedway. So I've seen it, uh, talking about it being in being on the big screen, I've seen it on uh, uh, Moonshiners there on Discovery Channel with Josh yep. and Billy Bishop and all them out there racing. And uh, so Yeah, yeah they are probably drinking some of that moonshine. They, <laughs> they were liable to, but... I, I, so Freddie Crawford, you might can agree with this. I think it was uh, Freddie Crawford who told this. This was at Phil's. Back in September, I'm pretty sure he was at that reunion. Uh, Freddie Crawford yeah. said he was going to protest Billy Bishop of racing while intoxicated DUI, but he was scared that if he got him caught, he felt Billy drove better drunk than he did sober. <laughs> <laughs> do you got what's some? Do you think we brought him up? What's some old good TNL stories? Maybe Billy Bishop, Freddie Crawford, or Wally Fowler. You had racing with them. Oh Lord. Uh... Wally, yes, I do always watch out for him. Wally been known to spin you out. <laughs> and uh, I, I've, I've seen him and Crawford and all of them get into it before. And somebody run over Linwood one night and uh, flipped him out through one or two, and he thought it was me. <laughs> then he, uh, when he come back on the track, he, uh, he wanted to play a little bit of chicken. And uh, so, you know, there we go. <laughs> who won that one <laughs> uh, i think both of us got bad on that one. so i'd heard did you get in a fight with duval one time yeah i sure did <laughs> <laughs> all right we gotta hear this one it was in my notes uh it was on one of them old cherokee pages south carolina racing dirt and then you get in a fight with duval let's might as well go ahead and tell that statue of limitations is up anyway do what now? What'd you say again? I, you broke up for a minute. I said you might as well tell the story of you and Duval getting into it. The statute of limitations is up now. Now, me and Duval, we used to we used to beat and bang heads about every week. So how did this one fit? How did this one actually get started? Do you remember this one? This uh, this uh, close racing. He <laughs> don't want to elaborate too much. No. Does he? Well, I mean. Yeah, yeah. I ain't got to tell y'all. Y'all know Duval. If he gets behind you, he's going to put the bumper to you. That's right. This is Mitchell, right? Yeah, this is Mitchell. So how did Mike respond to this? Did he get involved? Uh, he liked to get involved a little bit. but Because uh, this would have been before. We had, our, this we had been, our good times back then. But I say, this would have been before Mike got saved, wouldn't it? So there's no telling how he would have yeah. come out. I'd imagine. But, you know, now uh, uh, Mitchell, me and him, pretty good buddies now. He come fixes my heat and air whatever we need and we uh you know we don't got too old at all that bothers anymore i agree with that for sure and uh you never know he might be listening to this thing so <laughs> i might yeah. share i can share it to him <laughs> well yeah, yeah share it. mike we're gonna take a quick break here uh stay tuned everybody this is the forward bike podcast you're listening to mike Galt. 
Welcome back to the Forward Bike Podcast. We're uh, still got we're still uh, on the Andy's towing hotline here with Mike Galt and down in Gaffney, South Carolina. And uh, Mike, I've always wondered this, and I don't think I've ever got the story straight, but uh, Cherokee Speedway has been dubbed the place your mama warned you about. Can you uh, maybe tell us why that uh, why that is? Because your mama always warned you if you go over, you liable to get in some trouble. <laughs> well, when you got characters like Billy Bishop, Wally, and Rambo, yeah, makes sense. Yep. yep. <laughs> well, when your whole family was there, it was uh, was it, it was hard for you to uh, to. I mean, you were there anyway. You uh, you couldn't be warned. You just had to be there. I know what I was right in the middle of. Yeah. Did rock. I know there's a lot of shenanigans that took place. I know we we're going to ask you about something else, but how was your dad kind of laying down the law with all the shenanigans back there in the late eighty? 80- 80s, early 90s. How would he lay down the law of some of these drivers? We've heard stories about Earl Baltus at Eldora, but how did Rock Galt like to handle things like that? Well, my daddy, and you could call 100 people and all 100 of them tell you the same thing. My daddy was the most honest, likable promoter there ever was in racing history. Uh, if you broke down on Saturday night, blowed your motor or something, He'd come by and spread out like 10 envelopes and tell you to pick one. Help you get the <laughs> car back to the race that week. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, and then he got all the guys coming in here from Georgia, like my hero, C.L. Pritchett. And that's where I got hmm. my number and all from. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, Doug Kenimer, Ray Allison, Aaron Gailey, uh, you know, because we owned we owned the Livonia Speedway too there at mm-hmm. one time, and uh, which uh, Scott owns it now, mm-hmm. Scott Childers. But uh, you know, it was just it was if anybody ever had a problem, they didn't go upstairs and have a cuss out. They just go upstairs, and my daddy and him would have a talk. And, things would get settled and that's just the way it was it's gentleman to gentleman you know that's something that's kind of lacking in racing <clears throat> kind of my generation the one before it there's a little lack of respect there nowadays don't wouldn't you think so between the hierarchy of the racetrack and some of these drivers yeah they are and i mean you know some of these places don't know how to treat their drivers and, mm-hmm. and don't know how to talk to them you know the promoters and the drivers put their bridges on the same way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you gotta, you gotta show each other respect, you know, mm-hmm. you can't, you can't let a driver come in there and, and demolish your show every week without doing something to him. Yeah. And then, you know, you can't just be hard on a driver for not doing nothing, mm-hmm. you know, but I mean, you know, I, I've been on both ends of it. I've been on the promoting end. I've been on the, the driving in, I mean, you know, because, you know, back in the day, me and Doug, we owned the Southern Extreme Series and all that that was going on, and mm-hmm. and we promoted all across America, and you know, we had some good shows, paid some good money, and you know, it's just, uh, but nowadays racing is a lot more money. Mm-hmm. We used to could build a good TNL car for. You know, I'm going to say $7,000. Yeah. Well, nowadays you got 20 in the motor or better. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just, it's everything has priced itself where your average working man can't afford it. Yeah, I was. Uh... And, that, and, that, and that took the fun and all the families out of it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Even the front wheel drives have over about 10 grand in yeah. their cars now. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Your man told me this weekend that some of these new uh, uh, create racing USA street stocks and stuff like that, which that's kind of taken over the south here by storm, and it's a really good series. But some of those new chassis that they're building are like sixty five thousand dollars for mm-hmm. a roller for a roller, and yeah. I just that that blew my mind to hear that kind of a number. Well, and, uh, and they're lining up to buy them too. So I don't. Well, know. you know, the average person cannot afford that. Yeah, exactly. And it, and it knocks them out of it, and I don't feel like that's right. You mm-hmm. know, if you got a, a a millionaire over here that wants to, to spend bookies of money, but here you got 10 normal guys that want to spend money too, 
mm-hmm. that can't, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm because, a, you know, you I'm, can't be competitive. I'm a normal guy. I'll, I'll never probably have a race car unless the uh, lottery numbers come in one night or something exactly. like that. But, uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's crazy. There's a reason I don't run no more. I got, I just got burned out of all the work and the money it took. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, because I don't, you know, I don't think it's, it was driving ability because back in my younger days, I felt I was as good as anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get a little older, you, you psych this little uh, bad and your reflexes ain't as good. But back in the younger days, I could hang with the best of them. So speaking of that, you kind of took your talents away from the family racetrack and decided to go run the Sportsman Series, which a lot of the local guys around here run, Wally Fowler, Freddie Crawford, Ronnie Sewell, <clears throat> Robin Caldwell, taking these old cup cars and going to run these races Humpy put on at Charlotte. What kind of drew, yeah. you, what kind of drew you to that to go run the mile and a half over here in Concord? I just wanted to go see Hadfield run on, on a place like that. and But, you know, back in them days, they didn't have the rules the way they needed to be. I mean, you know, some could get by with different things, and I mean, this it costs a lot of money. But I mean, you know, we was pretty competitive, and mm-hmm. uh, it was just, you know, the, the one thing I remember about any of it was running Pocono. Really. When you when you run in Pocono, you could eat a sandwich going out the back stretch. It felt like you're never gonna get to the end. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Big old, big old track right there. Well, Mike, you uh, you know, after that, you uh, you were still racing those T and L cars and everything, but then you got into late models, and we're kind of a late model podcast. But you, I guess it was like a dream come true also for you to go run the Have a Tampa series there, and uh, I believe it was 2000, right, when you won the Rookie of the Year. And uh, that was sort of your claim to fame there for for quite a while. And you uh, you did you did that whole season that year in the in the Have a Tampa, and maybe proved everybody wrong or whatever that said you couldn't <clears> do <throat> it or whatever. But you you pulled that deal off. Talk a little bit about those days. Well, I got teamed up with Sanford Goddard up here at Warrior Chassis, uh, and <clears throat> we built a couple of new cars. Start the season out, and we went for the Rookie of the Year and. You know, we didn't have the the big budget like the big boys do, but we we made it on what we had, and we we wound up winning rookie of the year and running pretty decent. And I mean, it's it's kind of like a a notch in your belt, something you did that you'd always mm-hmm. remember. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that was a that was a pretty cool time to be a part of that series too. I mean, the show yeah. the, the show me one hundred and all that, and of course the that was the year that they put dirt on Bristol and you were up there a part of that. And there was like 200 and some odd cars there. And, uh, yep. you, you ran that. And I believe you made the field at the dream that year, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, and, and just, you, you, you really had a pretty good, you strung together a pretty good season that year. Yeah. I'm probably the only ones around. Gavin has got a, uh, Eldor trophy for winning the race. Well, you got Mike Duval. It was a little bit, that was about, 10, 20 years before Mike Duval's got yeah. the row 100. That's it. But that's actually, yeah. that ain't Gaffney. What's the town he's from? That's Calpins. He's from Gaffney. Or what was, well, what, did they, what, did, what was they always say here? Bedrock. Bedrock. That was what it was. Bedrock, yeah. Yeah, that trophy's in Bedrock. It's, all, it's in a little outskirts of Gaffney. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but uh, we had a, uh, you know, that's back when they was doing their cars up for the million and all. Mm-hmm. We did them nice paint schemes and uh, we had one with the, the bills all over it, dollar bills and mm-hmm. hundreds and stuff. I mean, and it, uh, it was a pretty neat deal. So that was the trophy you won for the best appearing car? No, I, I actually won a race. Uh, they had a, a race up there that night, and uh, we're, uh, we, we'd won it. Well, what was that? Because I, I couldn't remember that, but that's pretty cool. I don't remember what they called that. But, I mean, it's like a... I forgot I even want it paid to win. You asked me uh, stuff now. <laughs> I can't remember what I had for lunch today. 
That's <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. Yeah, I mean, I I just figured that that'd be a, be something cool to talk about. But yeah, that yeah. that is cool though that you that you won a race up at Eldora. I guess we uh, didn't have that in our research here. So what? So that's so you got. You grew up on the Gaffney Half Mile, which is basically the crown jewel of the South. Well, a lot of people's called that track. Cherokee, oh, yeah. Cherokee and Dixie. Then you go up to Eldora, which is claimed to be the big, best track in the country. How is there any way you could really compare the two back then? Well, Gaffney was always what I consider hooked up. Mm-hmm. You know, that's back when they run the McQuarrie Zeros, and at the end of the night, they still had the the tits on them mm-hmm. you didn't you didn't yeah. touch i mean you could run the same tires for a whole month but you know we go up we went up to eldora and it's like that place slicked off like glass and you know uh, us around here wasn't used to all that because we used to traction you know mm-hmm. yeah so that's that was a whole different ball game yeah for sure a long way from gaffney south carolina too <laughs> yep but uh yeah, that uh, speaking or talking about Cherokee Speedway, the uh, the Blue Gray One Hundred. A lot of the people consider it a crown jewel, especially if you're from the South. A lot, a lot of the uh, Northern people kind of laugh at that when somebody says that, but I, I do consider it a crown jewel uh, in a way. I mean, it's kind of had its ups and downs over mm-hmm. the years throughout the history. But when that race first started, and it was the Blue Gray One Hundred, it was intended for the north and the south drivers to come yep. together at one you know at one place there at the end of the year yeah uh, down south because we've got a little bit of a warmer climate than up north and it was uh it was the like the stars uh points battle coming down to the line there at that deal and uh, yeah it was a big deal so tell us about the history or, or kind of how that race came to be because it's uh, it's still going on i believe this year is going to pay a record purse so mm-hmm. talk about uh that the first uh blue gray 100 well, like I, uh, I really don't know how it actually started, but you know, it kind of was like you said. They got the north and the south together, and the boy that run the guy, the guy that run the Star Series, you know, got together and they all come down, and you know, it was it, it was a pretty big deal. I mean, back in the day, I mean, it used to it used to bring fifty, sixty cars in every year, you know. Oh yeah, and. I mean, it always paid like ten or twelve thousand dollars back in them days. Yeah. But uh, you know, I just uh, I think one of the things that Gaffney needed was uh, that race, like I put on for my dad. Yeah. Me and Scott and Tony. Oh yeah. Paid paid forty thousand dollars. That's the most Gaffney has ever paid in the history. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did have a $20,000 have a temper racer at one time and uh, 10000 on on the Friday night. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, the, the 40000 was the the breaking of the iceberg, I reckon. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That was a couple of years ago, and that was uh, – and Brandon Overton yep. won that race, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's won he – he's, I'm pretty sure he's won every one, ain't he? He's won all three now. Uh probably so i'm thinking he's won all three but before i want to get into the future here we got about a minute and a half left in this segment next one, i want to tap into the future but i got one question for you mike as we're on the blue gray 2000 blue gray 100 did you have anything for freddie because i know you run second do you think you had a chance at freddie at gaffney or thunder valley at gaffney 2000 blue gray 100 you run second to freddie smith yeah, I had something until his guys told him to get high. <laughs> <laughs> You've actually, you got three yeah. three top fives and seven top tens in the Blue Gray 100. That's not too bad there, Mike. Yeah. That's the thing about me. I never did qualify good, but if it's a long race, I, I was always there. So while we're on that topic about the Blue Gray 100, I reached out to your friend there, Dwayne Goins, tonight to have let him know we were going to talk to you on the podcast, and he – told me to ask this and i don't know what year he's talking about i'm just going to kind of read it here from so he says it was the blue gray 100 and everybody was blowing and changing one tire you pitted for a tire and the wayne was standing there yelling get two and you did went to the front on the restart then so then he wants me to ask you what happened in turn one after taking the white flag 
Do you remember all that? Because I, I don't know if I do. <laughs> I don't remember, to be honest. <laughs> it could be one of them things. I love Dwayne to get to death, but sometimes you got to pick out what's fact and what is filler. You yeah. never know. <laughs> yeah. But well, man, I, I also think I, get a good I story out of we, that. <laughs> I think when come we on, come Dwayne. in, I think I got three tires. Yeah. That, yeah. that would uh that's usually the hot tip and that's what i really enjoy about that race still being 100 laps and i hope uh, yeah this new promoter or whatever they got coming on here this year and i hope maybe he hears me say this but don't count the caution laps and it needs to be 100 laps and tires yeah. need to become a factor because that was what makes that race exciting to me and uh so that's uh it's just uh you know you got to take some extra tires and have them ready to go for that race because you're going to change them in about lap 50 or 60 if you want to win it, that's the strategy. So, Well, Mike, we're going to take a quick break here on the Forward Bike Podcast and come back and uh, wrap this thing up after this. All right, welcome back here to the Forward Bike Podcast. We're still with Mike Galt here on the Andy's Towing Hotline, and Mike's been sharing us some good stories tonight. And uh, one of them we were cutting up with during that commercial break was about the uh, the time you grew wings there in turn three at Lancaster Motor Speedway during the 2012 Carolina Crown. You must have drunk a Red Bull. Do what now? You must have drunk a Red Bull, like you said. It gave you some wings. Yeah. Nah, they they told me they wanted to try out that new Boeing 747. So <laughs> when I hit when I hit the button, she, she took off. That was a wild deal. I mean, if anybody's listening to this and, and don't know what we're talking about, there's actually a video you can go on YouTube and find. But uh, but you went into turn three that night and just sailed over the wall out into the pine trees. And uh, luckily there were pine trees and not oak trees and stuff to hit because you kind of just mowed through them to a, come to a stop out there. Yeah. Uh, they never did pay me for cutting that puttwood for them. Yeah. <laughs> did did yeah. you? You, a lot of people flew out of Gaffney there. It was out of the lights and into the nights. But going out of Lancaster, of course, the long straightaways, what really happened? You just get too high or basically take us well, down the back straightaway of the Lancaster Super Stretch going into that? What happened was we got down there, and there was so much berm done built up on the wall. And I was running close to the wall anyway at high side. And, and my right rear tire caught that berm, and it's just it, – this, shot me straight up i only thing that touched the whole wall was the torque on bar on the car <laughs> you drove that thing back to the pits didn't you no uh we hooked it to the record we didn't we didn't I, I was, we want to make sure that the motor and that wasn't messed up before we messed with it too much mm-hmm. i was uh down there at that race sitting in the in those stands there and turn four and I saw it all I saw it all. Like I was like I, my I had to pick my jaw up off the ground. I couldn't believe what I just saw and I obviously was hoping you was okay, but originally or initially I don't know if I realized that was you that did that, but that was a yeah. man, that was a wild uh crash that that you made the highlight my, reels that'll live on forever, Mike. Oh yeah. Yeah, my crew didn't know what happened. They turned around and they looked and they couldn't find me. And uh you hear Dwayne on the loudspeaker, out of the lights and into the night. There it is. There it is. That's the famous line right there. Yep. Yep. He's out of here. He's out of here. That, He's out of here. That was a thing at Gaffney. <laughs> Dwayne and Walter Faulkner got to say that a lot there at Gaffney, especially turn three, almost down there by the water tire. I think you did a better Ed Basie impression than Ed Basie did. Oh, yeah. And that, and that's... Yeah, they, ne- they never seen which way I was flying. <laughs> Yeah, that brings up another topic. I remember in the 90s at Cherokee Speedway, one year they'd put a wall up down in turns one and two, and then too many people would tear their car up. By the end of the season, they'd take the wall down, and then about another year or two later, they'd put up a wall in turn one and two. Uh, do you remember all that craziness? Am I accurate with that? I really don't remember a lot. I always remembered uh, there not being no wall there, and then when you went over to bank, you just went up there towards the, the salvage yard, and turned around and come back and got on the track yeah it seems like maybe it was like 1997 or something Mm -hmm. for the first part of the season they put up a concrete wall around there and then by about april or may everybody had tore their car up and uh, (laughs) the car count was down a little bit so they took the wall back down because it was easier for them to to go down over the bank like you said and drive back on the track but when they got into that wall it was they'd tear up their car so 
I don't. Yeah. But yeah, that. So go ahead, Blake. So as we're getting on the topic now, the Cherokee Speedway Half Mile was where legends were made, men were men. What? What was the ma- What brought the magic of Cherokee Speedway back then? And just explain that era and why it was so magical to be around Gaffney in the late 80s and early 90s right there at the half mile. What made that track so special? Well, everybody knew if you could come to Gaffney and win a race, you could go anywhere and win a race. Mm-hmm. You just you just had to be uh, on your game. And, uh, you know, it, it was just, uh, like I said, it, it – it separated the men from the boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that place carried that moniker for a long time, that if you could go there, I remember hearing that. Mm-hmm. If you could go there and win a race, you could go anywhere in the country and win a race. And yep. uh, and, and and really, since they've shortened it, I'm not so sure if that's the truth anymore or not because, uh, well, I don't know why there, what reason that would be. But I, I think back then it was, the, it was the real deal for sure. It was an intimidating oh, was. track for a lot of guys. Yeah, it was, it was a – five-eighths mile around the top. Mm-hmm. But uh, my dad even had some guys come up here from Georgia and, and had a race, they'd come up to him and say, Mr. Galt said, I, I, I like you and I, I love this place, but it's just too fast for me and they never would come back. <laughs> so a lot of people, there's a lot of race fans out here, of course. They oh, love yeah. They love the Cherokee half mile, and they don't think it's great since it left. But in my opinion, in your opinion, because you was around, do you think the half mile would work nowadays in today's times of racing? Oh, yeah. You think it would? Yeah. I mean, I think so, too. I miss mm-hmm. I miss it, and I hate I, You know, I hated when they cut it down like that, and I don't know if there's no – is ever any going back at this point i think it just is what it is but uh well but i certainly miss it and that was just an era of our time and life that we got to enjoy if we did and it's just it's in the it's in the history books i guess well they say they they try to claim it's a lot easier on motors and that's not it ain't you know a a motor run as good as on a half mile that was short track you Mm -hmm. know yeah so, I mean. So, as somebody who grew up, of course, your dad, Rock Galt, you were a mainstay in that era, running TNL, running super late models, and even being behind the scenes with Rock being your dad. Not taking anything away from Winnie, Scott, or now Tony, but a lot of people say it's not the same. What would it take to bring the magic and mystique? back to Cherokee Speedway and kind of bring it back to its former glory nowadays. What would be some of the things you think could happen? Nowadays, I'll be honest, I don't know how to answer that question because everything has changed so much. Mm -hmm. Uh, So many different things to do now. Uh, You know, it's just... I don't know. The, even the dirt don't seem to be the same no more. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, they out here burning up tires. And, you know, used to could run them Macquarie zeros, and uh, you know, I just don't got a straight answer for that. Is there anything they can do to improve to maybe make it better? Oh, well, ain't no doubt about it. The place needs a facelift bad, mm-hmm. and uh, you know. Uh, there's several things that need to be done around there and you know to accommodate the the people and and you know there's just little things that you that you need to do along and you know but i i really don't know so uh so as it as it is today you're I mean, um, you still own the own the property there, I guess, where the racetrack is, and they're leasing it. Is that how that all is is set up? No, we actually sold what property the racetrack's sitting on. I still own the eighty-two acres beside of it. Yeah, gotcha. Lenny Buff owns where the racetrack is still, right? Yeah, right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I just figured we'd clear that up for anybody listening. Mm-hmm. I just never really knew how all that looked on paper, but. 
Yeah. Um, man, yeah, I, I've been going down there all my life. I, I want to see the place thrive, and I want to see it do good. And I know you do too. It's uh, it's sort of a little bit of family pride for you and and your family. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean they they got some big races coming up there this year. Everybody go check them out, and uh, and for sure. So. Yeah, I wish Tony good luck, and I mean. I mean, I know he's got a lot on his plate, and, and he's he's trying to do the best he can with his ability. And you know, I, I help him any time I can if they ask me for something or to do something. But uh, you know, we're just gonna. I think he's got like 37 races scheduled. Mm-hmm. But of course, we'll see what happens. I reckon. Of course, Lucas and World of Outlaw not coming back is really something that grabbed a lot of the fans' attention and really not liking it. But do you think we're in a step in the right direction? Of course, we got four 10,000-to-win races for XR at least. There's some Carolina Clash races, and we also got March Madness and the Blue Gray paying both 20,000-to-win. Yeah. Do you think we're yeah. going in a step in the right direction to possibly bring Cherokee back to a top-of-the-name household name? I think so, but uh, the way I feel about Lucas and World Outlaws, they forget where they, it's like where they forget where they come from, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. I mean, we was running them races before they ever had all these other big tracks and paying all this big money and all. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, kind of like forgetting where your home was, you know? Well, Tazwell said the same thing two years ago when they dropped them, so I completely understand where you're coming from. Yeah. But, you know, uh, they do got some good followers and some they don't. But like I said, you know, uh, I hope several of the guys don't follow hmm. just so they can go run where they're paying big money and stuff. Mm-hmm. And and if you'll notice in the last year, they ain't had all the followers they normally had. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they... You know, I, I look at it like this. If you've had a track that's been with you for the past 15, 20 years, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's wrong to cut them out. Yeah. So that brings up the last question I was going to ask you, although the Kyle had left. But we've seen all these series pop up. we got Clash, Ultimate. There's some other series around here, I guess. And but, so on uh, and so forth. Yeah. Because they're – one other thing we talked about TNL, but the super late models, Mike or yourself, Duval, Ricky Weeks, Rambo, Jeff Cook, uh, you had Jarborough there late in the game, John Persley, Johnny Persley, Jeremy Clements, Jeremy Clements, all these people used to run weekly at Gaffney. Could there ever be a track around, not even Gaffney, a track in the Carolinas that could possibly host weekly super racing, or is that too far gone now? I don't know because nowadays it takes so much money to run supers. Mm-hmm. See, it didn't take that much money back when my dad run it, but he mm-hmm. paid two thousand to win every week. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's a lot of money back in that day. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. And nowadays that'd be like paying ten thousand a week. Exactly. I mean, because two thousand dollars you can't buy the tires. No. And I mean, they all these these tire companies have let all that get out of hand. They, you know. They can't nobody afford two hundred fifty dollars a tire to go racing. Two fifty sevens. What I sold a twenty one for today. I mean, wow. unless you got mega bucks, and I mean, it goes back to your blue collar people. Yep. Everybody, you know, I would rather have ten families racing than two multimillionaires. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know what I'm saying. I mean, and and this. It's, I don't know, it's racing all the way up to NASCAR is, is outpriced itself. Oh, yeah. Outdid itself. And, you know, it's going to take a, it's, it's going to take a lot to, to tone it back down where it needs to be. I've got another question for you then because me and Kyle, Kyle, you're around 31, I'm 22. Mike, I'm not trying to call you old, but let's say if I'm, say, by the time I hit possibly Freddie Smith's age up there, late 60s, early 70s, do you think, how do you think local short track racing will be by the time my, me and Kyle hit that age compared to what y'all 
got to grow up in and live through? That's a cool question. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to be you. honest with you. If you got a track left around, it'll be wonderful. Mm-hmm. I agree. So what's some of the things us younger guys can do to co- almost preserve the sport, in your opinion? I really don't know because, you know, every, all these multi-million dollar complexes are buying up the racetracks and building golf courses and mm-hmm. and doing all this and that. I mean, I don't know what you could really do. Well, it's like we talked about earlier in the show here. Me and me and Blake are just average uh, average working class people, and probably <laughs> won't ever see us have a race car on the racetrack. So if there's no race cars on the racetrack and people keep making average paychecks, and I don't, you know, mm-hmm. it'd be hard to. And these parents yep. don't want to get their kids into it because it costs too much. And the kids are the exactly. future of the sport. Yep, yep. So, anyway, I don't know. It's just well, – it's interesting. Know, Go ahead. Y'all know as well as I do, some of this sport, if you got money, it don't matter if you can drive or not, you can get in it. That's right. Exactly. But – and – that ain't the way I was brought up. If, if you couldn't drive, you couldn't win a race. Exactly. You know, because we all had the, the same stuff. We all worked our tails off. We all hit the jig yards and hunted our parts. And, you know, it wasn't the where we could go out and buy this and that and just bolt it on the car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what we need is kind of a common neutral between – SRI, our business and your business. We need a class where you can come to our store and buy stuff, and there needs to be a class where you can come to your store and buy some stuff. It's basically what we need. Hey, that's a good point. <laughs> yep. That way yep. we can both get a little bit of it, and we can both that's make right. more money off of it. See, I got some good ideas here, Mike. We might be on to something. I heard that. <laughs> we need to get us an old Crown Vic out of the, the – out of the. that might be something well, we Well, they just do. started them this Let's past year. see if we year. can get us – get uh, Mike Galt to sponsor us a Crown Vic ride for this year. <laughs> put the put the logos all over it and all that and let you drive it, Blake. Hey, I'm fine with that. <laughs> so, man, this has been a pretty cool uh, conversation with you tonight, Mike. I uh, I think we got a lot out of you, and we took up too much of your time probably, but uh, – Nah, I'm good. Hopefully. Hopefully we'll see you soon. And uh, Hopefully it marks madness here in, what, three weeks now? Yeah, probably so. Yeah, we'll see you soon, Mike. And uh, like I say, I appreciate you doing this and uh, wish you the most of success with your business ventures and everything. And uh, like I said, we'll see you at the racetrack soon, man. Well, that'd be good. And, uh, you know, it's, it's weird because I have helped some of the four-cylinder guys. They come down there run the four cylinders and they break a spin or something they want to come up in the junkyard and get them on and get through tonight <laughs> but you know salvage city's right there on the hill beside them <laughs> they ever need something they just call me there you go there you go the big hey, phone I, numbers I, on the sign yeah i know i've been out racing before needed something had to call around get a few places to help me out so absolutely well i can hear the wind chimes blowing in the background that'd be a good way to end this one <laughs> That was another episode of the Forward Bike Podcast in the books for this week. We'll try to cook up something else and come back and talk to you again next week. Uh, I'd like to thank Mike Galton uh, for doing that, especially last mm-hmm. minute. And uh, we got a lot of cool stuff out of him. And uh, thank Blake Harris for being here again tonight. Anytime, uh, buddy. I'm Kyle Armstrong. We'll see you next time. Give me one more time just so I'll understand. Are you sure Rock done it this way? Lord, I don't think Rock done it this way.